0: she's a real woman with a real life she's someone you can relate to don newton Welcome to the Don Newton podcast. I am your host, Don Newton. For 99.9% of human history, the way we lived revolved around one ideal, connection. But in our modern world, we face an epidemic of disconnection, one that we can't blame on the last few years of social distancing and lockdowns. So what's going on? Gabriel Cram joins me today. He is a connection feminologist. He's here to talk about his book, Restorative Practices of Well-Being. The book explores two fundamental questions. How do we address the traumas of our modern world, and how can we reconnect with ourselves, one another, and the natural life that surrounds us? Gabriel Cram, it's great to talk with you. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. You're joining us today about your book, Restorative Practices of Well-Being. and There's such a wealth of information in there. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Oh, Don, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: So let's talk about a connection. You you go ahead and finish the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: phenomenal. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a kind of blaringly difficult word to say, and but the concept is really simple. Um, it was a term that I learned from one of our mentors, and I learned it about four years ago, and a light bulb went on for me because w- what it really speaks to is this realization for the last 25 years through many different disciplines, you know, principally neuroscience and on awareness practices. You know, a lot of this has been the blending of neuroscience and ancestral and indigenous awareness practices. But the common focus of all of our work has been how do you help people turn on and access connection to ourselves, to one another, to the living world, you know, at a time when the lack of that connection is creating such, you know, really traumatic and tremendous negative consequences, right? So the common through line of our work, my work in particular, has been how do you help people to find connection when, you know, so much of um, the structure of the modern world uh, pushes against that.
0: Well, and so much has happened during that 25-year period. Of course, social media is played a part in this too, but I don't know that we realize that we are not connected. How do we realize or become aware that, you know, I am disconnected, not only from others, but even from self?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I spent um, most of the year of 2000 actually living in the Middle East. Uh, my wife was doing a research project in, in Beirut. And so we were living in Lebanon. And we had this experience in Lebanon that was, uh, it was very strange to me at first because um, you know, we were just visiting there, but you could, like, feel in the air in that in that city if something was happening. You know, on the other side of town, you could feel it, and you'd just go, you, like, stop and look around and be like, what's going on? And then you might hear the news a couple of hours later, but it was in the, in the air. And I didn't understand it at first, because growing up in the United States, you know, I never, like, felt anything that was happening, even, like, in a neighborhood near us what we started to realize was that the fabric of connection between people there was so deep. It was so rich. It was so uninterrupted, even despite, you know, the, the, the history that, um, you know, you could feel people, you know, in, in the city. And it was, you know, one of many experiences that led me to realize like how much in this country we don't have that sense of, you know, connectedness as a, as a culture. But I think, you know, people, people don't necessarily realize that they're not connected, but they may realize that they're spending a lot of time feeling angry, you know, or feeling anxious or feeling shut down. And those are really good indicators that we're not at the level of the body dropped into a place of safety and connection.
0: What keeps popping up as I'm looking through the book, just the contents, because it's you know, self care and then connection, connection with others and connection, you know, connect to nature and all of the practices that are provided in it. It's just being curious about yourself. And then the way the book is written, it, it's so relatable in the sense that there's a lot of these things that we do every day that I don't know that we realize the, the connection we're trying to create or that we're wanting to create, either with self or
1: with others, the benefits
0: of doing this work, what are we going to see and how quickly do we see it?
1: Yeah, I love what you're saying. I mean, I think, well, first, just to notice that, in a way, connection is like, it's like, a, it's like food, it's nourishment, right? And I think, Don, you're really, it's really accurate. Like, we are already probably in our lives having these moments of connection. Um, I think one of the starkest things about the pandemic for me, you know, when it started, you know, two years and, you know, whatever, two months ago, whatever moment it was two years ago, this moment where all of a sudden we can't touch people, you know, we, you know, somebody in the grocery store, you know, they drop something and you can't, like, tap them on the arm and, like, there were all these micro moments of connection that we were just, Getting as a matter of our daily lives that suddenly got pulled back with the pandemic, right? And I think a lot of people's baseline physiology really shifted. You know, six months in, we saw widespread, excuse me, degradation of mental health. And I think it was the result of this loss of connection. You know, you, you, you see someone's face, and you're tracking, you know, these subtle movements. There's a smile exchanged you're getting, like, a, a form of nutrition from that. And so one of the first things is that we, if we if we realize we're having a moment of connection, to spend a moment and allow ourselves to let it register, let it sink in, you know, that it's, it's already often, you know, there. We're just not realizing it's food, and so we don't eat it, you know. And so at one level, just in our day-to-day lives, If you take the time to think about, like, well, when are you feeling the best? When are you having these moments of, you know, dare I say, like, belonging, right, in the broadest sense? Is it a moment in the garden? Is it a moment, you know, when you're talking to someone in your family? Is it a moment with a pet? Is it a moment outside? And when you do have that moment, can you allow yourself to really, like, feel it? And when I say that, I mean, like, register it in the body as a felt experience. Let yourself breathe into it. Let yourself settle into that moment and the way it feels, right? So, you know, that's kind of one of the the daily practices of it. And then, you know, how quickly do the benefits accrue? Um, You know, sometimes if you go out and spend uh, 24 hours in a forest, if you're the kind of person who likes being outside, um, you come back from that and you feel different. I, I slept out of doors last night, and I'm coming back, I feel different than I did when I when I left my house yesterday evening. The benefit accrues sort of in proportion to the dose of connection, I would say. You know, I don't know if your audience has, has this experience where you have like a really hard week. I mean, this is like a pre-pandemic image, but, and then you go dancing on Friday night or Saturday night or something, and you're dancing for two or three hours, and, and then you feel completely different. You shake the whole week off. You're fine. You feel well. You feel happy. I want to encourage, you know, your audience to think of connection as something that's just like food, that you would do every day. You wouldn't like, oh, you know, I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to drink anything today. I'm not going to sleep at all tonight. I mean, there may be moments when you can't do those things, but this idea that connection is another form of nutrition as fundamental as any of those things.
0: Well, and I always think about, too, because we, you know, that state of mindfulness and that inner peace where... You can just tune things out. And I always think about how when we're working, we always look forward to that one or two week vacation where we're going to go camping. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go to an island. We're going to go do these things so we can decompress and actually breathe. And I think we can all relate to that. I think the goal that I would, and I challenge myself with this as well for all of us, is to try to create that breathing moment on a day-to-day basis even if it's just a little oasis you can create in the corner of your yard we know what that feeling feels like because we look forward to it and then once we're done with that week or two-week vacation we come back and we shut it off and get back to what we call the grind or whatever it is you know that word is for you but I think trying to keep that feeling going but to do that you got to be mindful you got to be self-aware you got to be grounded that's what keeps coming up for me in conversations like this
1: yeah I love what you're saying I'm really studying this right now you know for myself and looking at it in the culture because I feel like in this moment where you know we're in an economic downturn the the flows of kind of work life and capital and the flow of the rhythm of life itself maybe they've always been divergent but to me like it's the the difference between those two flows and the feelings is is so great right like there's the flow of i look at that you know through a certain lens it looks like all steam you know it's all like accelerated it's very fast it's aggressive it's moving you know it has this velocity to it right and i had a teacher who called it the sympathetic death spiral of modern culture this kind of norm that we're in of like the grind the the race the rat race whatever you want to call that and then there's this other energy that's so different and all you have to do I mean uh, that maybe sounds like it's too too simple, but you know if you step outside into the living world, just look at a plant. If you if you feel your feet on the ground, and you're actually in contact with the earth and not asphalt, like the rhythm of life, you know biological life, is at a completely different pace. And it's like, can we take the time each day to keep coming back to that? There's like an island of sanity. that relationship with that there's some profound reality that the reality of life on earth is that there is a solar economy here. there's like the sun that's all the energy coming in and then there's biotic life which is you know here all around us and so the rhythm of that system is the one that's attuned to our nervous system as water That's the rhythm of the system that we want to bathe in, not the rhythm of the other system.
0: Exactly, and I think, you know, talking about, you know, that grind and how sometimes we get misguided or think that, you know, who has the most toys or keeping up with the Joneses. I think people understand that phrase. that that That's winning in life, and it's not. I think through amassing things we feel that, well, then I'll be connected, then I'll be accepted, then I'll fit in, then I'll, and it's, that's not at all what that is. And disconnecting from material things is is something to look at too. And that's where your book really guides us away from that, to nature, to people, to challenge ourselves and things that maybe we wouldn't necessarily do. I mean, just smiling at somebody, just a random, you know, smile like, hey, how you doing? What it does for yourself and what it does for some. I mean, it's just the simplest things that we can do that um, don't cost money and don't, you know, add to a little scorecard of things we're amassing.
1: Yeah, I think it's, again, it's really important. I want to I want stay in my lane because I'm not, you know, I'm not an economist. I'm not a philosopher. I understand, you know, people have to work hard. And, you know, we live in this, many of us, the reality of a modern economy and jobs and 40 hours a week and all, all of these structures which are not, you know, really designed to promote well-being right, that's not why they were assembled, you know, that's not why they were constructed, and we're at this time where we're seeing the kind of disintegration of some of these structures, the collapse of some of them, and then you know, the retrenchment of, of other ones it's a really transformational moment I think, uh, we have a lot of indigenous mentors, and um, you know, a lot of them have been talking about these times for a very, very long time You know, and uh, I think one of the things, as a modern person, you know, like I'm a white person of Jewish origin, I was raised in the United States, Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we're acculturated into here um, is like you're saying, that, you know, success and wealth are the same somehow, and that affluence is a signifier of happiness. And, you know, we just, again, if we look at the research, we know that that's that's really not true. Certainly having uh, lack, you know, having not adequate resources is extraordinarily stressful, and I don't want to, uh, you know, th- diminish that in any way, shape, or form. But I think we've also, as a culture, lost this concept of enough. And we talk about this a little bit in the book, right, enough. And that, you know, wealth, th- th- there's a way which wealth, I would like to think of it as having as being spelled W-E-L-L-T-H, the well-being that we have. Without our well-being, you know, none of this matters. Beginning and the end of the day, it is relationships. It's relationships. We've forgotten that. We've, we've moved in the direction of such an individualist society. It's so atomized. But when stuff hits the fan, it's having people who come to help us. This has been true for hundreds of thousands of years. When the tribe is in trouble, it's having trust and relationships. And so we think about building relationships, building community, building a village, and, and nurturing the heart of that village. You know, that's where this reciprocity lives, and in that reciprocity, there is well-being.
0: Gabriel, where can we find the book Restorative Practices and learn more about you and your work?
1: Our website is restorativepractices.com. You can go to restorativepractices.com slash books to buy the book from our bookstore. Uh, it's also, at most places... Old.
0: I really appreciate this conversation and this work. I don't think we can I don't think we cannot talk about well being enough and wellness, self. So I appreciate, like I said, this time and this work. It's been a pleasure talking with you.
1: Dawn, thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you as well.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Don Newton Podcast. And a special thank you to my guest, Gabriel Cram, joining us today discussing his book, Restorative Practices of Well-Being. For more information about Gabriel and his work and to find his book, restorativepractices.com. And be sure and check out my website, donnewton.org. The Don Newton Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton.